0: Welcome to the DrDavidMarlin.com Stable Science Podcast. I'm Dr David Marlin and along with a great team of experts I'm helping horse owners and riders achieve optimal performance for their much-loved horses. In these podcasts we will discuss science-led research, technology, information and advice to help you care for your horses so they may live healthier, happier and longer lives. To support the podcast and all our research and science for horses, go to our website, www.drdavidmarlin.com. And to learn more about what we do and the hot topics under discussion, follow us on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter.
1: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank.
0: hi there in this podcast i want to talk about sugar and starch are they always bad for horses because sugar and starch are everywhere in our horses diets so of course even grass can be a source of sugar and starch and in fact horses might struggle on a zero sugar and zero starch diet which is good news because it actually would be almost impossible to achieve we can have low sugar and starch diets but to eliminate them completely is going to be pretty much impossible and part of the problem with sugar and starch is also not just the fact that it's there it's how it's fed especially when we're talking about concentrate feeds so or grains so a horse eating grass or hay with a moderate sugar or starch content over the course of several hours is going to cope much better from a metabolic perspective than if the same volume of sugar and starch were given in one go in a hard feed or a sort of oats or or maize or even corn, so because that could be eaten in as little as ten minutes. So, so before we go much further, I think it, a little explanation of some of the terminology might help here. So, sugar and starch are two forms of carbohydrates, and sugar actually isn't one single compound. But it's a general term which includes, for example, glucose, fructose, which is often referred to as fruit sugar, and galactose. And these are known as monosaccharides or sometimes simple sugars. Now, there are other sugars known as disaccharides, and those are formed of two monosaccharides joined together. So examples of disaccharides include sucrose, which is a glucose joined to a fructose. Uh, and it's probably the most common sugar that we are used to which we buy for putting in tea coffee cooking etc then there's lactose which is a glucose joined to a galactose monosaccharide which may also be referred to as dairy sugar or milk sugar and only occurs naturally in the milk produced by mammals and then we've got maltose which is glucose joined to glucose now any mono or disaccharides are completely digested and absorbed in the horse's small intestine, the part of the digestive tract immediately after the stomach. And this actually consists of three sections known as the duodenum, the jejunum, and the ileum. Now, there are two other types of carbohydrates the horse might also encounter in its diet, which aren't strictly sugars. And these are short chain polysaccharides oligosaccharides and fructo-oligosaccharides, FOS, you may have seen those in in prebiotics, and fructans. So FOS are often included in feeds or supplements. As we've already said, they can be prebiotics, which are non-living compounds that can be used by good bacteria in the hindgut as a source of energy. Fructans, unfortunately, are not so good because these can pass to the hindgut undigested, where they are then fermented by uh, bacteria and they increase the acidity in the hindgut. And high fructan intake is believed to play a role in laminitis, but actually there's still some conflicting views on this. Some additional terminology, I don't want to do too much, uh, but I think it's important for horse owners to understand, uh, and many are focused or already looking at this, especially if they have horses... Uh, with particular problems with carbohydrates and this is WSC or water-soluble carbohydrates and the other one is NSC which is non-structural carbohydrates. Now WSC are simple sugars, monosaccharides, complex sugars, disaccharides, short-chain polysaccharides, oligosaccharides and and, uh, fructooligosaccharides and fructans which as the term implies these are all soluble in water. So if a sample of hay is soaked in water, the amounts of these present are expressed as WSC content. The next term to have a look at is this NSC, non-structural carbohydrates, and this is normally uh, defined as water-soluble carbohydrates plus starch. Now starch is how plants store glucose produced by photosynthesis for use at later time to generate energy. And the starch is stored within all living cells in the horse's body with uh, the exception of red blood cells which can only use glucose and the brain of course which uh, can use glucose only but also ketones if blood sugar levels drop too low. Ketones are actually made by the breakdown of fat in the liver and of course transported to the brain uh, in in the circulation in the blood so when a horse eats plants or grains or fruits with starch in the starch is broken down hopefully in the small intestine and starch is broken down by the enzyme amylase there is a little bit of amylase in saliva but in the horse not actually very much the most of the amylase uh, is produced predominantly in the wall of the small intestine and to a lesser extent by the pancreas so Unlike sugars, starch is often not fully digested in the small intestine and this can be due to factors such as very large meals or too rapid movement down the oesophagus uh, the and stomach and into the small intestine and then pass and into the hindgut. And this commonly occurs if forage is not provided before grains or hard feeds are fed. So, is this an issue well yes it is because if undigested starch reaches the hindgut it can then be fermented by certain species of bacteria leading to colic so when starch or sugars have been fully digested they in the small intestine they are absorbed and taken into the bloodstream here they're transported and taken up by muscle and the liver in particular but essentially all living cells uh, either used immediately for energy or stored as glycogen. Now, this is with the exceptions we previously mentioned, red blood cells and the brain, which use the glucose immediately and don't store glycogen. Glycogen is the animal form of starch. Just like starch, glycogen is made up of glucose units joined together, although in a different pattern to starch, and hence why they don't have the same name. At this point, I think it's also important to clarify some aspects about storage of glycogen. Why does the horse need to make glycogen? Why can't the horse just store glucose units ready to use? Well, the fact is that glucose is actually a very small molecule and can easily move in and out of the cells. Glycogen, on the other hand, is a very large molecule composed of thousands of glucose units, and so it's, it's trapped within the cell. It's too large to pass through the membrane. Now around 90% of a horse's body stores of glycogen are actually stored within muscle cells uh, because when the horse starts to exercise the main source of energy breakdown is of glycogen to provide glucose, which in turn produces ATP. So we can think of glycogen as being coal or gas used to generate electricity and electricity being the equivalent of ATP. You can't make a bulb light with coal, and you can't make muscles contract with glycogen or glucose. The other 10% of the horse's body stores of glycogen are actually within the liver, and the liver continuously breaks down glycogen to produce glucose to try and keep the blood glucose level within a fairly narrow range. Interestingly, although many horse owners have seen articles demonising starch, it actually does have some advantages. So humans actually switching to eat starch-based carbohydrates as well as meat is recognised as a major factor in the evolution of human brain capacity. So while sugar and glycogen are important for energy, fats or oils are also important sources of energy. And in times of starvation, the body will break down protein, to provide energy as a last resort. But essentially for any equine activity, whether it's a hundred mile endurance race or a five furlong sprint, a dressage test or a show jumping round, when it comes to energy, it's never fat that is the limiting factor as an energy source, it's always glycogen. And when it comes to speed, the more glycogen you have stored in your muscles, the faster it can be broken down to produce glucose and the better the performance. And starch intake has also been shown to be related to the amount of glycogen stored in horse muscle. So on a low sugar and low starch diets, horses have actually been shown to have lower levels of muscle glycogen. And and this is not really surprising as glycogen is made from glucose. And in fact, we have some uh, articles on the website. Uh, one, One in particular is why some horses need starch, which goes into this in a lot more detail. So at lower level, it won't be uh, potentially a concern, lower level of competition. But if you're competing at a medium to higher level, especially if you're competing over events that last several days, glycogen is going to be limiting to performance. So starch isn't always bad, but it can have some issues. If your horse receives too much energy from its diet compared with how much work it's doing, then of course this is going to lead to obesity. And of course horses don't just get fat from eating sugar and starch. They can also of course get fat from too much uh, fat or oil intake. Just to take an opportunity here to clear something up. There's often confusion over what's the difference between fats and oils. And this is really easily explained. Fats and oils are the same thing. Fats are solid at room temperature whilst oils are liquid. So... We also know that large starch meals are a risk factor for gastric ulcers. We know that low sugar starch diets are essential for horses uh, that are affected by PSSM or prone to RER, recurrent exertional rhabdomyolysis, tying up. We know that undigested starch reaching the hindgut is a risk for colic and we also know that high sugar and starch meals can lead to behavioural problems. So, These are important things really to consider when we are thinking about sugar and starch in our horses' diets. So, if you are having to think about keeping sugar and starch down, how easy is it for you to spot sources of sugar and starch in feeds? Or supplements come to that. Well, it's not necessarily that easy. In commercial feeds, many companies are reluctant to put the sugar and starch uh, levels on their labels and it's really nice to see that quite a few companies uh, including Spillers, Dodson Horrell, Pure Feed, Saracen uh, there are others all list sugar and starch content of their feeds on their website. When it comes to pasture hay and haylages, the species of grass, the soil type, the time of year, the weather, how it's harvested and processed can all impact on the sugar and starch levels and the only way really to know is to have it tested or uh, yourself or to buy hay haylage from suppliers that provide that information and you can of course obtain typical values for forages from articles or published papers but again these can be a really long way out and of course many owners also soak their hay in order to reduce uh, the sugars or more correctly, the water-soluble carbohydrate content. But even with soaking, it can be difficult to know how much you are removing, as this depends on how much water-soluble carbohydrate there is at the start, other factors such as the water temperature, and of course, how long you soak for. And we have uh, a a webinar on this, we have some articles on this on the website, which talk about uh, how long you should soak Uh, different types of haze for. so how do manufacturers try sometimes to disguise the fact that there is sugar in a product well they sometimes do this by using different names for sugars some of the lame names that i'm going to read out in a minute are lame names that you could easily see on a label that you might not necessarily recognize as sugars so for example common ones would be dextrose fructose galactose Uh, glucose i'm sure you'd recognize lactose you probably would recognize maltose sucrose cane juice crystals cane juice corn syrup date syrup dextrin diastatic malt ethyl maltol maltodextrin uh, agave nectar or syrup barley malt blackstrap molasses brown rice syrup caramel carob syrup honey malt syrup maple syrup molasses rice syrup sorghum syrup and treacle these could all be ingredients that would be contributing a high amount of sugar to uh, the, the horse's feed fortunately there are less alternative names for starch uh, the only ones really are amylum or polymeric carbohydrate or polysaccharide if a company was using those um, they're being very naughty and, and trying to uh, to confuse you if you see 2R3S4S5R6R, 2 hydroxymethyl 6, 2R3S4R5R6S, 456 trihydroxy 2 hydroxymethyl oxan 3Y, oxy oxan 34 trial, they're really taking the mickey. Um, that is the international uh, chemical ID for starch. As I say, if somebody's putting that on a label, they really, really don't want you to know what's in uh, their feed.
1: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me.
2: Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
0: So when it comes to working out the sugar and starch in individual feed materials, that's generally more straightforward Um, I often use a website called nutritiondata.self.com. This is a site aimed actually at human nutrition, but if you put in, for example, carrots, you will find nutritional information for a lot of products, including fresh, frozen, or cooked carrots. Um, And this is, uh, it's a very clear website, very easy to use, and you can select, for example, to have the amount of the nutritional information Uh, per carat or per 100 grams of carat and you'll be able to see a lot of information including sort of vitamins uh, minerals uh, protein and amino acids so probably more information than you need now if you search for some common feed materials some of the results might actually surprise you for example crude rice bran is listed as 50 percent carbohydrate and uh One particular commercial rice band product for horses claims to be low in starch, uh, reducing the reliance on starch in the diet, but actually contains 20% starch and 9% sugar. So that's 29% non-structural carbohydrate. I wouldn't call that low starch. Another way to estimate sugar and starch in your horse's diet is to use software such as FeedXL. Um, we've got some webinars on that. It's very easy to find. FeedXL.com uh, And that's a good piece of software. Uh, and they have some really useful resources there as well. Now, what about polos, apples and carrots? Treats that we give our horses. And unfortunately, many owners are told that they can't feed their horses or ponies that are overweight or prone to laminitis or have tying up or EMS treats such as polos carrots and apples so let's have a a little look at this and see if this makes any sense let's start with polos Uh, it's easy to see why polos are a popular treat with horse owners horses love them they're they're fairly cheap um, they're dry and not messy and it's not a big bulk to carry around a small tube of of polos of course other mints are available Um, And they don't contain any ingredients likely to cause allergic reactions, and they come in convenient packaging. And it's true, polo mints are loaded with carbohydrates. In fact, every polo mint is 98% carbohydrate, of which 96% is sugar, a combination of sucrose and glucose. So does this mean that polos are bad for horses and ponies that are prone to tying up laminitis, etc.? in principle yes but of course the key factor here is how many polos or packs of polos a day you are feeding your horse or pony so let's break this down and look at the 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 math side of this um one pack of polos contains 1707 kilojoules of energy or 1.707 megajoules of energy and 96 grams of sugar a single tube weighs 34 grams. Therefore, one tube supplies 1.7 megajoules times 100, uh, sorry, divided by 100 times 34 equals 0.58 megajoules of energy. This equates to around 100th of your horse's daily energy intake. So a few po are not going to make your horse or pony fat. Similarly, one tube will supply around 33 grams of sugar. A pack of polo mints contains 25 mints, I'm reliably informed. So each mint will be the equivalent of 1.3 grams of sugar. To put this in context, if you gave five polos, which would be 6.5 grams of sugars, this will have no impact on your horse or pony's blood sugar level. If you fed your horse or pony a whole pack, 33 grams, you might start to get a small effect on blood sugar. Um, and this would potentially start to be uh, a concern and and certainly two or three packs would not be a good idea but if you are still concerned by the sugar content but want to feed your horse mints then of course there's an easy answer Uh, sugar-free mints don't contain sugar however many people are also concerned that artificial sweeteners like sorbitol used in sugar-free mints might be harmful to horses Sorbitol may sound like a synthetic compound, but it's actually found naturally in apples, peaches, pears, plums, dates, to name a few. And if your horse or pony has had a few apples before, they've had sorbitol before. Mints that use xylitol as a sweetener are, however, toxic to dogs. Although horses don't appear to be affected by xylitol, it's not currently recommended to feed horses mints with xylitol in as a sweetener. Uh, Let's look next at carrots. An average medium-sized six to seven inch carrot weighs around 100 grams and will provide around 10 grams of carbohydrate, of which five grams will be sugar. So again, giving one to two carrots a day is also not an issue. If you're giving half a bucket of carrots a day, that does start to become an issue. And finally, If we look at apples, a medium-sized apple will weigh around 200 grams and contain around 28 grams of carbohydrate, of which 21 grams is sugar. Therefore, apples should actually be fed sparingly to horses or ponies affected by or prone to laminitis, EMS tying up, PSSM or weight gain. But a quarter of an apple twice a day would provide around 14 grams of, of carbohydrate, of which 11 grams would be sugar. So what's the bottom line here? A few polo mints a day or a few carrots a day or half an apple a day as a treat is okay for any horse or pony, even if they're obese, prone to laminitis, EMS, PSSM, tying up prone horses and ponies. So the key sort of takeaway here is that the amount of sugar or starch your horse gets is the content or concentration in the feed times the amount you feed. So linseed meal, for example, is typically only 4% starch. So that's 40 grams of starch per kilogram. Oats on the other hand, around 50% starch or 500 grams per kilogram. So feed in 80 grams of oats would have the same starch uh, amount as one kilogram of linseed. So it would be hard to overfeed starch from using linseed as a base feed. uh, And this is one of my go-to feed materials, particularly for problem horses. What about supplements? Well, generally the amounts of sugar and starch in supplements are actually very low. And even if they are mainly sugar, the amount fed per day is still usually very low. You know, maybe 25, 50 grams. However, very few companies seem to want to disclose this information. Uh, To date, the only company I'm aware of that does disclose all this information is Science Supplements, and they have uh, a a page on their site. I think it's how many calories are in My Horse Supplements. But there is one supplement ingredient it's worth further discussion in some detail, and that's glucosamine. So, the question that often goes around is is glucosamine converted to sugar and is it safe and every now and again posts start to circulate on social media that glucosamine must not be fed to obese horses or laminitic prone horses horses with ems cushions pssm tying up etc the reason usually given is because uh, is because glucosamine is converted to sugar And the rumours are probably circulated, I would guess, by companies selling joint supplements that don't contain glucosamine. They want to put people off buying glucosamine-based joint supplements. So, the first point here, common sense. Most joint supplements contain 10 grams or even less of glucosamine per daily feeding rate. Even if all that glucosamine was converted to sugar, that's only 10 grams of sugar. It's not going to do a 500kg horse any harm. It's not going to do a 200 kilogram pony any harm come to that. And two, 10 grams of glucose is equivalent to around 67 grams of hay. About a mouthful of hay. Now this idea about glucosamine and sugar isn't actually that new. It was reported over 100 years ago by uh, James Irving and Alexander Hind in the journal of the chemical science society so yes google glucosamine conversion to glucose or glucosamine and insulin and you'll find some information of course the whole thing about googling stuff is making the right interpretation and this is where popular advice being given by horse owners to other horse owners really falls down so the first point here is that not all glucosamine is converted to sugars in fact, only a small proportion is actually converted to glucose. Many of the studies suggesting the link between glucosamine and insulin dysregulation are either in isolated cells, use abnormally high doses of glucosamine, or are flawed. So, for example, as FAM and uh, colleagues in 2007 pointed out, Glucosamine is widely used as a treatment for osteoarthritis in people, which is a condition associated with both obesity and type 2 diabetes mellitus, insulin insensitivity. Oral administration of large doses of glucosamine in animals has no documented effects on glucose metabolism and this is. These are quotes from the paper. This is another uh, author. Our critical evaluation indicates that glucosamine is safe under current conditions of use and does not affect glucose metabolism. That was by uh, from a paper by Anderson and colleagues in 2005. And finally, a more recent review by uh, Salazar et al, 2014, uh, concluded evidence-supporting... supported diabetogenesis i.e insulin dysregulation by glucosamine remains scarce in humans and to date the association should be considered only a theoretical possibility so from this we have to conclude that glucosamine is very safe for horses even laminitics or beast horses horses cushions ems and pssm so how do we sum this up well sugar and starch as such are not really the problem. It's how we feed, uh, how much we feed, and how much we are feeding, whether it's appropriate for what our horse is doing. The interesting thing, of course, is that wild ponies and horses will eat lots of food rich in sugar and starch in the summer months when it's in abundance, and then they will put on a lot of weight, but they will lose that weight through the winter. Much of the time, we want to either keep uh, our horses looking in ideal condition all year round or have them overweight all year round for some competitions some activities or we want to have them thinner in spring, summer and autumn and carrying potentially allowed to carry more weight in winter uh, when they're out of work. And all of these scenarios are very different to what happens in the wild. And when it comes to how much we feed, there's an interesting uh, problem here because a number of studies have shown that horse owners tend to overestimate the level of work their horse is in so for a horse actually in moderate work a high proportion of horse owners would select the hard work option and that means when they're looking at feeds they will be feeding for hard work either based on uh, let's say grains such as perhaps using oats or they will select a, a feed commercial feed for horses in hard work which isn't going to be appropriate so what are the key points here sugars and starch play a really important role in the horses diet uh, we can't eliminate them completely but we can obviously reduce the amounts for high performance horses a higher intake of sugar and starch is actually likely to optimize performance how we feed sugar and starch actually creates a lot of issues. Single large feeds rather than multiple smaller feeds, for example. Feeding forage before hard feed also helps reduce the likelihood of problems related to sugar and starch intakes. Many owners unfortunately overestimate how hard their horses are working and therefore don't select appropriate feeds. And many horses don't need high sugar and starch feeds. It can be tricky to find out the starch and sugar in some feeds or forages, um, and we've discussed in here some of the approaches to doing that. Some manufacturers say that their feeds are low in starch when the levels can be as high as 20%. So look for the actual levels rather than just focusing on that low starch uh, wording. And a few polos, carrots or apples, as a treat, are fine for all horses and ponies. Uh, And finally, glucosamine in joint supplements isn't something you need to worry about. It is not going to put your horse into a laminitic crisis. It's not going to push your PSSM horse into crisis. It's not going to make your horse overweight. I hope you enjoyed that. We have a lot of webinars and articles on the aspects that have been discussed in in this uh, podcast, and hope to see you again soon. Bye bye.
1: Even on a budget, quality is non negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high end essentials at fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just sixty bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more.
3: luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
0: I hope you enjoyed this podcast and the Stable Science series. If you want to learn more about this topic and our work, head over to the drdavidmarlin.com website. Our website and community of members discuss a wide breadth of topics, and the website houses thousands of articles, webinars, videos, and research, all designed to help horse owners, riders, trainers, and breeders achieve optimal performance for their much-loved horses. The drdavidmarlin.com site is an independent information resource for all equestrians, a source of unbiased, science-based research. To learn more about what we do and the hot topics under discussion, follow us on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter.